Welcome to the Realtel Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Downs, the founder and CEO of the Realtel, and we're on a mission to improve retail customer experience, to measure website speed and design, quality of product information, cart and checkout experience, post-purchase communication, fulfillment and packaging, customer services quality, and overall sustainability of products and packaging. If you're interested in learning more about the Realtel Customer Experience Report, just go to www.itworks.company forward slash the Realtel, and there you can find more information and some examples of the Customer Experience Report. Today, we're going to talk about email, in particular, how the use of email has evolved from a promotional messaging tool to the cornerstone of personalized brand communication for retailers to consumers. And who better to discuss this subject than industry legend and Crystal Palace supporter, Tink Taylor. Tink founded software company Dotmailer, now .digital, 21 years ago, and he's successfully grown this business into a global powerhouse. Tink joins me from his home in Whistler, British Columbia. Tink, welcome to The Real Tale, and thanks for joining me today. So Tink, in 21 years, you must have seen quite an evolution in the way that email is used in e-commerce. Where has email marketing evolved from, would you say, and, and where's it going to? It's a pretty big question. Like 20, <laughs> 21 years in like, like half an hour. Okay. Uh, it, the it, highlights. Highlights. Yeah. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Uh, in in summary, I mean, just email in general, whether it's uh, you know for e-commerce and retail, it, everything's got a bit more sophisticated. It's gone from batch and blast uh, for for most, and unfortunately, still some people doing that. Um, but it's gone from batch and blast, you know, single message, one message, or the same message to everyone, mm-hmm. to trying to become hyper-targeted and hyper-personalized. And that's really understanding uh, what each individual wants to receive and sending it the right message to the right person at the right time. That's sort of the old marketing cliche. Uh, and probably bringing right up to speed nowadays, it's it's looking at where email fits in the omni-channel world. Yeah. Because you know, email is a, is a one-way push communication that has been used in terms of marketing sense for that for many years. But the reality is today, many conversations start by the consumer and the channel of their choice. Uh, yeah. It's no longer the choice of the retailer. So how they you know, get in touch with you and where they want their dialogue, be that a live chat or you know, via social or, you know, or message, you know, we need to be able to factor that in. So email helps us to hyper-target, uh, but that becomes irrelevant. Uh, for me, if you are not using the data points that you're learning from all the other channels, and we can't not discount data that drives everything. So, you know, one of the shifts in 21 years is the amount of data we've collected on uh, an individual, uh, and you know, people look like them. So we can look at things like product recommendations, start using things like AI and what have you, and you know, RFM models and all sorts of other things to really figure out who our segment should be, who we should target, and what the content should be. Okay. And where would you say it's going in the future? Yeah, for sure. It's it's, it's heading into um, – well, there's probably two sides to that question. One is um, where is the legislation going? Um, obviously, the legislation in the likes of Australia, uh, the UK, and Canada are a lot tighter than other areas of the world. Um, so a lot of the sort of best practices that we've always done – uh, puts us in good stead, but I think we should be mindful as to you know, data protection and privacy issues. 
it's increasingly becoming coming a concern and a big hot topic for MarTech. You know, I think uh, mm, Mark yeah. Zuckerberg and Facebook have done a very good job of sort of raising the profile of that, especially in the US, <laughs> about how much data they've got and you know, are they looking after it? So I, I can imagine we need to keep an eye out on that and that could change in the future and that has potential. So I'd always you know, encourage people to uh, look at their best practices and their data privacy, the data storage and all of that sort of good stuff. Yeah. But where, where, where's email going? It's getting increasingly targeted always, uh, increasingly aut- automated to smaller segments. That is all driven by data and that's where sort of, you know, things like artificial, artificial intelligence come in and start helping with the heavy lifting because there are just so many data points now. And as I said in the last last question, you know, email's really got to figure out uh, how it sits together with all of the other channels. I think, you know, going to your previous question, rolling my mind back 21 years ago, it's great being a new channel on the block. We came along against all the offline channels and went, we're so much better than you, you know, door drop, you're dead, post, you're dead. Yeah, you're, yeah. all of this sort of stuff, we're measurable. And that kind of set the tone for every other channel to come afterwards to sort of say, well, email's dead. It isn't. Email works with all those channels. And I think the omni-channel piece is really figuring out uh, how, how they sit side by side. And that is by sharing data underneath at source so it can be used for you know, actions and, and delivering yeah. relevant. Yeah, sure. Well, I think that, that kind of um, segues quite nicely onto my next question, which is in your, you know, you've got a, the, the advantage um, heading up a, a global organization that works into multiple regions who and also just tying you back to your 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 early days observation of batch and blast which i have to say unfortunately being a big subscriber to uh retail emails over here in australia i I tend to receive quite a lot of batch and blast on on a sometimes more than daily basis what what do you see as the key difference between regions say between you know north america europe and and apac who's you you know what's the difference between them who's doing it really well um and who's a little bit behind we i do we we actually do a a report called hitting the mark that probably a lot of your uh listeners will be familiar with Uh, it's where we look at 100 retailers we sort of become a customer for a period of six months by browsing, putting stuff in a abandoned car. We would kind of reverse engineer that that, that yeah. journey. And we do that in Australia, the US, and the UK. It gives us pretty good indication across regions what people are doing. I think the findings are that a lot of people, no matter where they are in the world, there's still a lot of people not doing the basics. So that's why you're seeing a lot of people in Australia still batching and blasting. But we see an element of that in the US and in the UK for sure. Uh, you know, people haven't set up abandoned cart programs, which for me is crazy. Mm. You just money on the table. And then if they haven't done that, there's no way they've done a welcome or any, anything post-purchase either. So there's a lot of people not doing that. I think I've seen a wider adoption of live chat in the US, but it's only marginal. Yeah. And I spend a lot of my time with sort of the key vendors, almost uh, your big commerce, you know, your, your Shopify, Adobe, Magento, uh, et cetera. I asked them this question not so long ago, and the Magento guy, that, and I, I, I see it myself, is that if you have a big, complex project, Australia actually seems to be right at the forefront of that because it's greenfield. They might not have so much stuff to rip and replace. Um, the UK then follows up because the size of the heavy lifting, given the database sizes, are a lot smaller, so the tech work behind it isn't so big. But in, you know, in the US, there's so many legacy systems and the data sets are so much bigger. Mm. The risk and the work involved to sort of rip and replace is significantly more. So uh, to your point, 
everyone is batch and blasting in all the regions, some some people. And is that a technology thing? Is that a time thing? It's probably a combination of both. But I think the opportunity that's afforded to Australian retailers in particular is they, they don't have the legacy, so it's much easier to sort of you know, start again. They're not, they're not into their fifth or sixth different iteration of e-commerce platform, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I actually – the, the retailers that we see in – Australia uh, doing things really well uh, are actually helping to lead lead the way. So that report we report on who's best yeah. and yeah. Uh, the iconic. You know, we're always in our top five globally, uh, yeah. and there've been many of their peers overseas. So yeah, yeah, it can be done. It's a case yeah. of you know, getting thirty and, and, and getting on with it. Yeah, I think unsurprisingly, certainly what I see the the ones that are doing it well are, are, are doing well as companies if they as. Silly as that sounds, but it's the it's the new stating the bleed and obvious. But when when you when I talk to other clients, they go, like, "Oh, what do we need to do?" It's kind of like, "Well, just do do what the most successful companies are doing, because yeah. they are personalising and they're sending." I get an email from Coke in every forty five seconds, I think, um, offering me another opportunity to part with yeah. my cash on <laughs> plastic. I didn't know I needed, um, but but they're doing it. You know, they're doing it well, and it's and it's relevant. But I think it it requires. Um, so mapping out, I think what email affords is the opportunity to to start brand conversations, and it's not often I see that those conversations are kind of mapped out in a methodical way of like this. This is no. how we want to talk to people. I, I think a lot of email, the, the art of traditional DM, uh, has been lost. It's you know uh, it's, it's quite mechanical. The, mm. the skill in copywriting isn't considered. It's been considered quite a cheap medium. So it's the bare minimum of time and effort goes into it. But it, if you do it right, it's that it, you get the biggest ROI. Yeah. And ironically, if you do it badly, it still works. So for some, <laughs> I mean, people will say, why does spam exist? Yeah, why are these spammers sending these millions of emails? Because it works. No matter how yeah. rubbish, how bad the design is, how bad the copy is, how untargeted it is, it still works. But obviously, if you if you finesse it, you can really make it really make it purr. And I think ironically, now with um, so what we're seeing with COVID, I think there's many sort of marketers there that were probably sitting sitting around very time poor. You know, they've, they've got to run an event. They've got to do this, that, and the other. A, a lot of the physical stuff that they would have had to have done is obviously put on ice for a while. So my question is, you know, retailers, are you going to spend that time to really, you know, finesse your email marketing programs? Yes. You know, if there's ever a time to do it, now, now is the time to focus on yeah, it. Yeah, 100%. I think, it all, as you say, it's down to the planning. I mean, certainly the channels that um, that we're running over here, where we where we get involved and start getting some consistency. That's the key as well. Across when you're when you're executing a campaign, it's consistently applied across email and social and on the site. It works, or it works a lot better, right? That's just the challenge is getting email in with those other channels now. And quite yeah. quite often you find that the the person that owns the email program. In a larger organisation, might be the not be the same person who owns Correct. the SMS, yep. and they have KPIs. We're all looking at yep. last yep. click attribution to get their bonus and what have you, and that that needs tearing down as well. Yeah, no, hundred percent. That that's uh, again a, a lot of the stuff we do is is exactly that. Just getting the different people from different departments in the room, agreeing what the the brand conversation yeah. is and how it's going to be executed and when it's going to be executed. So it all happens at the same time, and briefing the digital marketing agencies as well. Yeah. Uh, another phenomenon we found is yeah, during RFP, you'd have a retailer ask us a thousand questions. Your platform must be able to do this, this, and this. Yeah. And then you give it to them and they don't do anything. 
And that's all because I haven't got the time on it. I just don't know what to do or where to start. So we, several years ago, came up with like a PDF, the top 10 automation for retailers. You know, everyone should do this. Once you've done that, you should then dig in and what more you can do. We've subsequently come up with some templates. We're going, well, here's, you know, color these ones in. You know, here's your welcome program, et cetera. So yeah. kind of spoon feed it. But that's where, you know, we talk about platform people. I know what you guys do as well. It's about getting involved, understanding that business. of going, right, first question, have we done all the good stuff and all the basics? Okay. Yeah. Now we've done that. Given your situation, the products you sell, the nature of your, your audience, what other opportunities are there for automations to send something out? Because if you find one, it's just another opportunity to make money. If you make it, if you make it useful and relevant and pertinent, yeah. it will add value and people will buy products. So yeah, definitely day one, get your mm. get your basics done and then look, look explore more what you could be doing. Yeah, and I think also try, what we try and do is instill a culture of test and learn and and yeah. enjoy failure because that's where you're going to learn, right? So it's, yeah. Nobody learns anything from a first-time success. So get breeding that in from the leadership team to, to allow their people to, to test and yeah. fail and learn so that they can iteratively improve and so that the teams have got the confidence, I guess, to get a bit more curious about what's going on. So, again, you ask people, well, how did your email perform last week? Oh, well, they give me the stats. And I'm like, yeah, but why? Why didn't it? And it's, especially if it overperforms, I think it's just as important to ask the question, mm-hmm. well, why is that delivered so much more than you'd anticipated? Yeah. Uh, because it's different than, than, than what you'd expected. 100% right. If you're learning nothing, then you can't really, really move forward. And I mean, that testing is a whole minefield in itself that, you know, why do people not do it? Yeah, are they time poor again? You know, I've, I've just only just managed to squeeze this out the door amongst all my other marketing tasks. Uh, or if they do do it, a lot of people do it programmatically. And, you know, we've got features in our platform that allow for split testing and such yeah. like it does it in an automated sense. Mm. When I put my real marketer's hat on, it's like, that's okay, you, you've done it, you're doing some. But have you put enough time aside to analyze the results? You know, yeah. it's all very well. I could, I, could, I could go to my boss and say, yeah, well, I did a split test here in campaign B1. But if it won by 51.49, I've learned nothing. Like, no. And it's just meaningless. So... Uh, you can rely on computers and machines and automation to do some of it, but I really I do think you know, to get the most out of it, rinse every dollar you can. You need to get in there, and as you say, learn and learn from failures. Don't be afraid, as you say, of making mistakes. That's something as uh, dot digital we've always done ourselves in our you know our ethos and our marketing team is do stuff, do it quickly, learn yeah. from it quickly, do more of the stuff that works, and do and stop the stuff that doesn't. Uh, rather than the fire and forget approach that many many people may have. Yeah. And I think that's the, uh, I know, you know, working on a, on a project right now with, with the technology that you've got available, I'm just like, don't worry, just get it in and start just MVP, start, test, learn, test, learn, test, learn. And keep keep going, you know, because if you wait to kind of go, let's let's do all the requirements, let's do get it all understood, let's get it built 100 percent perfect. So we'll be here till next year. And you could be out of business by then. Yeah, um, quite quite often there's quite you know I've, I've, it's not unfamiliar to be in a room with a particular ego that says we must do it this way because this is how it works. It's like great, well that's that's version A. We're going to put in version B, and version B invariably wins in that scenario. Hundred <laughs> percent. So who else over here from your um, view? You mentioned the iconic. So we've got some people listening that might kind of go, well, who do we go to look to that that's the kind of north star or down here the, the southern cross uh, that we should be looking to you apart from the iconic who is there well i mean maybe starting with iconic 
because uh, they always do so well in this report. Um, mm. You know, maybe why that does well uh, in our scoring is you know, they're a cool brand, you know, but they really do well with their, their, their dynamic design. It's really eye-catching. You know, they use you know things like GIF, you know, um, animated GIFs to capture the reader's attention. It's, there's a lot of hooks in there. And it's obvious they embrace automation because there's really good, you know, welcome programs, abandoned carts, birthdays, uh, and they're, they're really driving sales by using that automation. And, and they, they balance that with with, with, their, with their, the use of channels because obviously the, the, their app is, I think, one of the most downloaded fashion apps in Australia. Hmm. And you know, it's no surprise that you know, they've taken time to really craft the push notifications. You know, they were compelling, clear. Uh, content uh, at the right time. You know, they delivered the right amount of pushes. They they've tested that, and again, going back to testing, yeah. a lot of people hate doing this. Is like send more. Uh, yeah. What's the worst happen? You know, you see a few people start unsubscribing. Well, pull it back a bit. You've tested that tolerance. Yeah. So th- those guys do that that really well, and I did like their recovery uh, path. Uh, in in the report, I think Hitvan, Cotton On, Surf Stitch, all fare really well uh, for for very similar reasons. I was actually. In the run-up to this uh, presentation, I was just chatting to the team last few days, um, and obviously with COVID, that changes everything quite significantly. And we've seen yeah. online wine merchant, they've done more in one month of setting up their abandoned browse than they have done from all of their other triggered emails this year, like just from setting one thing up. That, yeah. that was, sort of, it was like, why haven't you done this? Uh, and maybe on a, an alcohol-based thing here, yeah, Liars. Do you know Liars? They're based up away in the way. I do. They had to pivot because they were quite B two B, and they, they you know, that you know they sold a lot to airlines and stuff like that. They you know obviously that's had to change. So they they've really pivoted yeah. into direct to consumer, and they've seen you know fifty three percent increase in conversion rates during during COVID just by doing yeah. that testing, learn analysis. Uh, you know they've got click to open rates of sixty five percent. That's really telling wow. me that their their content crafted in, in the right way. Uh, and then I think uh, I've always liked Caruso Natural Health. They they eighty percent conversions from using uh, RFM models, so recency, frequency, monetary values to actually define sort of the buckets or the segments of data that they should go and sort of micro target. And you know, that we, we make that easy in our platform, but it's not an advert for us. But it's an advert yeah. for doing RFM. And the time and effort it takes to do that, to say an 80% increase in, in, in conversion, tells me that that's a good use of your time. Mm. So do you, that's interesting, actually. Do you know um, from your exposure and to the teams how big the teams, because a lot of clients we work with don't have, you know, email marketing is some someone's part-time job, you know, like yeah. uh, three hours a week or something. And, yeah, actually – it sounds like if you commit the resource to it, um, it can deliver in spades. Do you see the ones so so like the iconic and others that are, that are successful have a, a person or team of people that just focus on that? Well, it, interesting you say that. I mean, I, I was doing a speech. I think it was Magento Live, one of our customers um, a while back, Amy fantastic and she'd got brilliant results and I was sort of co-presenting she was stood there on stage and she kept on saying and my team did this and my team did that and I, I sort of had to call her out at the end of it and I sort of said guys uh, Amy just won and we do dot, the dotties it's one of our we yeah, do yeah. an award for me for best campaign and best marketer she won best marketer in the world so we said the team is you stop calling it a team because you were sort of yeah, the one man band 
Uh, it shows it's possible, I guess. Yeah. You know, I'm better to say it's there's a technology influence there. Yeah, sure. Um, I do think you're right that you know, there are a lot of small teams. It's not the day job because there are a lot of other functions. So in some instances, and I know this has happened in Australia, there's some, some of the, the very large um, US tech companies have done a very good job at sales and marketing, and maybe they've sold their platforms in. And that's not to say they're bad platforms because they are f- phenomenal bits of kit, but you need a, a really big team. To, uh, you know, probably, yeah. you know, it's like a Formula One car. You bought a Formula One car. Right, yeah. right. You, need, you need a very expensive driver. You probably need a pit crew. You're going to need a couple of you know, whopping great big sponsors. But if yeah. you do, the performance you can get out of that thing is immeasurable. But without all of that, mm. people back to pass because that's all they can do with it. Um, because it's complicated, sophisticated, it's just difficult. Um, so, yeah, that, that, there's a lot of agencies that do exist to help people out in that scenario. Even go back to my scenario of, of, of Amy, you know, you sort of the, the legendary one-man team, but there's lots of stuff there sitting down with her that there were other gaps of, you know, and other opportunities that she could be doing. Yeah. Yeah. There's a time constraints there, but there's also just a second set of eyes and going, well, you've, yeah. you've been buried in it, you've been doing this, and just throwing out you know, the, the what if. You know, what, have you tried this? And you know, she was always amenable, going, yeah, hell, let's get that set up and see if it yeah. not that well. Do more yeah. of it. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think there's def- yeah, definitely a challenge, especially in Australia where the teams typically are smaller. If I go to the US, uh, we could be pitching the director of email because that channel makes it so so much yeah, money. Yeah, yeah. It, has, it has a board seat and it has a you know a number of executives just to do the program. Yeah. Uh, you know that role doesn't exist in Australia and is you know maybe it's just email. That's that would be rare. But you know as you say, mm. it's multiple jobs, uh, and that's where help is at hand. You know, product and people is so important. No matter what product, you know, there's you know even even at the low ends, you know, entry level, your campaign monitors and your Mailchimp's might be. Yeah. You can you can still be getting more out of those platforms. With just a bit more time and effort. So I think that you can improve on whatever you've got, and th- there's there's no problem seeking the, the help and the people side of things as well. Because yeah, the likes of you and I, and you know, we've got some of our our competitors. We do this all day, every day, and we we could come up with uh, further suggestions that you might not have thought of. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think as you as you said there as well, like her her response is to get curious and be open to. Uh, yeah. Uh, to, to testing things and learning. That's, that's the thing I see a lot of is, is people get, and it's almost like with Batch and Blast, it's almost like an addiction because it's like, look, I've got three hours, right, this week. <laughs> I know that if I send that out, it's going to give me some kind of return rather than experimenting with with yeah. something else that may not. Well, one of the challenges there as well is also you get the, the CEO or the sales director at the end of the quarter. I need to hit the number. Yeah. Like, you need I've yeah. seen lots, lots of situations where you've mapped out a really nice strategy, a really nice yeah. automation program, and it's been vetoed by the CEO coming in. We're desperate. Send everything to everyone. Yeah. yeah. And you'll probably see a lot of that with you know, the, the challenges that, that in the, the struggle COVID's put on a number of business because they will be desperate. Mm. Uh, and the, But they don't understand the dangers if you do that. You know, you, the, the 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 disengagement from the users that you yeah. build up and yeah. the potential risk of getting blacklisted by the receivers um so not all of your emails don't get delivered so it might sound like a great idea but actually it can do so so much more damage than than the yeah. mail so it's like. a, also a race to the bottom in the long term yeah, yeah. i no, mean I it, 
there's, there's no question at all. And I look at my inbox, and actually there's probably 10 to 15 brands that fall into this category. If I haven't got it, I will go and hunt for it in case it's in the junk folder because it's always interesting and relevant and useful. And the reason why those I you know, look look out, keep an eye out for those brands is because they've built that relationship and trust. They've demonstrated it to me that the value exchange of the data or the personal information I'm giving them, they're using it wisely and it, it's enhancing my life. And yeah. what they said hasn't happened by mistake. They put some time yeah. and effort in to deliver that. Yeah. But I think also that's part that comes back to what is this brand conversation that you want to have that adds some value rather than yeah. do you want to buy a T-shirt for 20% off? Yeah. Well, that kind of wears a bit thin after a while. That was, that was a big part of uh, the Hitting the Mark report. We saw very few retailers ever sending any editorial content. Yeah. Um, and you know that's where you, you get the opportunity to build those stories, and it it could be it could be post purchase. Even like, I, I know you've bought this product. By the way, probably in the first four weeks of it, here's some tips and guidance to to do the basic setup. Well, now you're using it. Say it's a camera or you know a new drone or something. It's like well now you've got it used. You've been using it, and maybe we're tracking that with our app. Maybe you should consider doing these things, and you could just have that dialogue and be useful. That, that people will remember that. And but as you say, all you get is twenty percent off buy now, uh, and just the hope you hit sale. I mean, that's great. And you can't. You're training. You're training your audience just to go sort of deaf on your messaging because it's always the same. Mm. It's no different from anyone else. It's not adding any value. Do you know what? Before that day, I'm busy. I'm just going to delete it because I've got I've got Paul Downs chasing me on a project and I need to get back to him. Yeah. And I think it all comes back to this, you know, who are you as a brand? You know, what's the reason for our existence? Why are we here? What conversations do we want to have? Yeah. And then you drop the sales conversation in, at a, you know, at appropriate opportunities that you measure as you move forward the, the challenge is is for that particular product whatever it might be if you're not doing it your competitor will start doing it to them and you will yeah. lose them forever. yeah so you mentioned um post-purchase concept really briefly this was my kind of next question like, i'm a big fan of i think it's a really good opportunity when you and i always saying this to uh clients that we work with to kind of reinforce the relationship especially um when you have a i've actually maybe not a first time purchaser i'm I'm pretty anxious when i buy stuff until it arrives at my door i want to know where it is and what's going on what's your take on post-purchase comps because i i think the more you can do the better but i I could be wrong 100 percent um my, 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 my mother brought me up to have good value, values, I, I, I think. So for, for starters, you should say thank you at, at, at minimum. And mm. it's also say welcome, you know, when people you know, sign up. But, yeah, saying thank you, I think you mentioned there the transactional side of things, you know, keeping people in the loop. This is where Omnichannel can really help as well, by the way. Um, yeah. You give uh, much more confidence if you sent an email, maybe a Facebook message, and uh, you know, a WhatsApp or a text. Be using something like Facebook Message as well. You can fix challenges with the order. I ordered something the other day. I think it was the wrong size. Maybe it was the wrong color. Maybe I wanted two pairs of those shoes, not one. It's great. Mm. It increases the average order value. That whole post-purchase experience is removing that anxiety. I've ordered the right thing. I know when it's going to turn up. As I say, the editorial stuff to you know, add value. How do I use it? How do I get the most out of it? What product would go with that if I was so interested? And probably most importantly, if you provide a really good product and a really good service, ask them for a review. 
you know, we all want reviews. You know, people are buying your products based on, you know, these random reviews out online and you've got to have more reviews than a competitor. So give a damn good experience yeah. and then ask them to tell, you know, they're more than happy to tell people about how great this experience has been if yeah. you've given them a great experience. <laughs> so it's in yeah. your benefit. It's not. It's not rocket science, is it? Um, <laughs> oh, <really? laughs> um, so look, we're almost uh, out of time. I've got one more question. I I once read that mature companies should delete their email database annually and start their acquisition campaigns from scratch as a way to stay connected and relevant to their customers. Now, is that a pithy headline-catching statement that, that obviously caught my attention, or is there some validity in that approach? Um, oh, crikey, that's a can of worms. Um, but I, I don't think you should delete your entire database. Um, there's probably two sides to this, though. From a pure uh, deliverability standpoint, sending to older data that is not engaging, at some point that becomes detrimental to your deliverability. Uh, yeah. And there's a whole data science. I'm sure if you wrote that statement out and said that to uh, our deliverability team, there will be like jumping up and down with excitement because obviously the newer the data, the fresher the data, the more engaged yeah. the data, it's much more likely to get delivered yeah. and not have these challenges. I think the challenge comes in with old data, especially with some of the, the, the newer data protection laws, things like GDPR yeah. and what have you. you you've got to demonstrate uh, or face a massive fine. Where did you get my data from and what was the permission? Yeah, and quite often, if you're a, a larger company that's been around for a while, you're like, "Well, I don't know. It's our database. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it was my predecessor or my predecessor's predecessor, and yeah. so on and so forth." And it's like, "Well, are they buying? Are they engaging and clicking and opening?" And might if not at that point, uh, you might have to have a strategy of what do we do with that, you know, colder data? Mm -hmm. uh, maybe separate that out uh, into different campaigns so it doesn't influence your deliverability results. Yeah. Uh, on your good data, and you know, there comes a point where you probably decide, well, you know, this this is a dead duck. It's going to do me more damage than, than good. Sure. So you can call subs, but I, I, kind of, I feel whoever wrote that statement was probably also trying to impress uh, the importance of continuance or, or continually having uh, a, a fresh data acquisition making sure yeah. that you're doing stuff to build your list, making sure you're doing it under the right permissions, you know, in the right, you know, legislatively way and you're storing it in the correct way and all of that sort of stuff as well. Yeah, I, I, no, I agree. I, th I, I think that um, whilst it's, uh, yeah, maybe headline catching, the key point here is like it, you, you need to be having relevant conversations and you need a, a, a customer database that's engaged so that you're not just uh, comparing how big's my list compared with yours um it's more yeah. how engaged and active they are is probably the more I've often said it's, it's not the size of your list it's how you use it that's <laughs> the key and, and, and on that note tink what, what, <laughs> what better way to end this podcast um thank you very much indeed for joining us it's been uh, a real pleasure talking to you uh, it's my pleasure coming thank you for the invite cheers now i really enjoyed talking to tink today and i hope you've enjoyed listening to us if you're interested in learning more about the Realtail Customer Experience Report, just go to www.itworks.company forward slash the Realtail, and there you can find more information and some examples of the Customer Experience Report. Thanks.